The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by Toyson Ford and Hy-Vee. I am your host, Dan Casper, as always. On this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, we're going to talk to a world champion, a national champion, Greg Jockamson, who is the national and world champion Kube player, also lives and works in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, national championships, coming back to Eau Claire here in a couple weeks. We chat with him. What are your realistic expectations for Packers first round draft pick Lucas Van Ness now that he has officially signed his deal? And kind of a fun little topic uh, here too that uh, thrown out there. What are your thoughts on divisions like like sports? Like should sports leagues have division championships anymore? Have should they have divisions anymore? What are your thoughts? Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But we lead things off, as we have been on quite a few episodes lately because it's baseball season, but we lead things off with the Brewers. Brewers getting plummeted. Julio Tehran didn't have his stuff. Brew crew losing 7-2 now, half game back from first place in the Central against the, against the Reds there. Wade Miley going to be on the mound tonight for the Brewers. His third start since uh, being back off the injured list. And when you kind of look at uh, the matchups here, uh, Brewers are going to be going up against Senga, who's 6-5 and five with a 3.52 ERA and 14 starts. He's coming off of two straight losses. Although the Phillies won, I mean, he went 5-3 and a third and only gave up two earned runs and struck out six. The one prior to that was the Cardinals and four earned runs and struck out eight. But uh, he is... A uh, right-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, so at least we, we got that going for us, which is nice. Whatever that curse is with left-handed starting pitchers with the Brewers, I don't know, but good Lord. Anyways, Wade Miley coming, you know, ever since coming off of the injured list, has won two straight, hasn't uh, given up an earned run in his last two starts uh, over here too. Can that continue? The Brewers need it. Brewers would love to see it. He's 5-2 and two with a 2.91 ERA. Uh, looking at the Mets lineup, though, going up against Miley and their career numbers against him maybe makes Brewers fans just a little bit nervous here because some of these guys have had some decent success over their careers against Wade Miley. Pete Alonso, 333, 9 at-bats. you got uh, Lindor in 16 at-bats, is hitting 313. Sterling Marte, 25 at-bats, hitting 400. McNeil, 286. Uh, so, I mean, you've got guys with... with uh, you know, few games worth of at bats going up against Wade Miley throughout their careers, and they've put up some put up some good numbers. Vogelbach, though, former teammate, ten at bats, just hitting one hundred. Vogelbach did hit a home run last night against his uh, former team over there. So, but on the flip side, Brewers offense, nobody's got any experience going up against Senga. So that pitch tonight, first pitch, six ten hour time, six uh, ten hour time. So. 
Uh, you can catch that on 105.1 FM and 790 AM as usual. But uh, hopefully Wade Miley can go out there and and kind of do what he's been doing throughout the whole season, majority part of the season, and especially what he's been doing these uh, last couple outings since returning from the injured list. But again, the offense has to go out there and and spot him some runs, put up some runs early and be aggressive at the plates, give, give him something to work with for, for cry-eye. But uh, right before we, we headed to break, we were kind of looking at the, the NL Central here and just kind of, you know, casually treading the, the waters and maybe waiting for an opportunity to strike here a little bit. You look at the NL Central standings, and, and you still got the Cubs just sitting there three and a half back. I mean, Brewers fans, have we been kind of overlooking the, the Cubbies here a little bit? And you've got four games against the Cubs coming up next week, starting Monday, 4th of July week. And then you got the Reds right after that, before the All-Star break. Uh, have we been kind of overlooking the, the Cubs just just a little bit? I mean, they're third right now in the division. They're three and a half back. They're the only team with a positive run differential at a plus 28. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, although they've lost their last two. I mean, things could look a little bit different here if they would have picked up a couple of those wins here. But are we? have we been guilty of kind of overlooking them a little bit? We've been kind of just paying attention to the Cardinals, who are still in last place and still... Eight games out of first place, seven and a half back from uh, from the from the Brewers, but you got the Cubs just kind of you know hanging around. Pittsburgh's dropped down to fourth in the division. You know they've been two and eight in their last ten games. They've got the worst run differential in the division. I'm guilty of it. I think. I mean, the Cubs have just kind of they've been a team that has been right in the middle throughout this whole part of the season. As we're approaching the first half of the season, they've just kind of been right in the middle here. You know, we've had the mixture of Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati in first place, back and forth here. Milwaukee's always, you know, kind of been consistent in between, you know, first and second place. You've had Pittsburgh, you know, with their run, Cincinnati's. Up there right now, Cardinals have been consistently towards the bottom. We've been paying attention to them, just like still worried about the about the red or the the Cardinals at the bottom of the division, and yet you got the Cubs just just kind of sitting there in third place, maybe waiting for that perfect moment to to make that strike to go at it. I mean, who's gonna? Who do you think will be? If I asked you right now for a bold prediction, bold prediction. On June 28th, right before the All-Star break. So the final game, July 9th. Who will be in first place in the NL Central before the All-Star break? Is it going to be Cincinnati still? Is it going to be Milwaukee? Or do you think it could be the Cubs? Which team do you think has that best or no, I shouldn't say best shot, but if I asked you to make a bold prediction, who's going to be in first place? You want to know the schedule for, for some of these teams coming up here? Well, we know the Brewers already, right? They're in the middle of this uh, four-game set against the Mets. 
They've got a series against Pittsburgh on the road. Then they return home with four against the Cubs and then three against Cincinnati. That's that's the Brewers' schedule here. Cubbies, they've got two more against Philly. They lost last night. Then they've got uh, they got the Guardians starting that series on Friday. Then we know the Brewers, and then it's Cubbies versus Yankees. Right before the All-Star break, that's in New York. So again, Cubbies finishing up their series with Philly. Then they got Cleveland. That's in Wrigley. And then Brewers and Yankees. Cincinnati, if you want to look at uh, uh, their schedule coming up here right now. So they are going up against Baltimore. They're in this series against Baltimore right now. So far, it's split. They lost the other night, won last night. Then after that, it's the Padres. So last game against Baltimore is today. Then they've got the Padres. That's in Cincinnati starting on Friday for their weekend series. Then Cincinnati's got four games on the road against the Nationals before they head to Milwaukee for that series right before the All-Star break. How do you think? Okay, I'll add another little bit more to this. Top three in the NL Central. By the All-Star break. Top three. Bowl prediction. I think I'm going to go Cincinnati in first place in the NL Central right before the All-Star break. I'll go for second. I'll go Brewers. But I think the Cubs make up some ground. So I think it's like Cincinnati, the Brewers are a game back and like the Cubs are like like two games back from from the division for for the lead. So it's like Cincinnati, Brewers one back from Cincinnati, Cubs one back from the Brewers for second place, but two back from Cincinnati for first place. If I had to make a prediction right now at this moment in time, on June 28th, on how the NL Central is going to look when we get to that All-Star break starting on July 10th. I think it'll be Reds, Brewers, Cubs, but all three like within two games of each other. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Am I kind of counting out Pittsburgh right now after just a couple of weeks ago they were in first place? Yeah. I mean they're they're five five back right now. They won last night against uh, uh, against the Padres. So I guess you know don't don't necessarily over overlook the the Pirates. They're they're still five you know five games out of it, and they could seriously make up some ground with uh, with this Brewers series coming up here if they wanted to. But right after that, they got the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks all on the road before the All Star break. So I think they're gonna stay in that fourth spot. Within uh, within the division, that's my that's my take. That's my prediction. Summertime is a busy and expensive season. Get-togethers, vacations, road trips, cookouts, which also means lots of shopping for supplies. So why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more? Seems like a no-brainer, right? But where do you go? Hy-Vee! From the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area, Hy-Vee has you covered for this summer. Make Hy-Vee your go-to summer stock-up store and enjoy your summer this year. 
What should be your realistic expectations for Lucas Van Ness? First round overall pick from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this past uh, this past draft, just a couple months ago, locked up his deal, officially signed. Now he just got a couple of the second, uh, excuse me, third rounders uh, left for for the Packers to sign up from the rookie class here. But uh, now the question will be: How much are we going to see Lucas Van Ness on the field when the regular season starts in in September? We're we're operating under the assumption that Rashawn Gary is going to be ready to go week one, which isn't a foregone conclusion. Anybody who thinks otherwise, we just we don't know. Okay, that's the answer. We don't know, but we're operating under this assumption that he will be ready for for this particular exercise. So. What should be the the expectation for Lucas Van Ness this year? Lucas Van Ness, a player comp from him uh, coming out or coming out of college or going through the draft process was Rashawn Gary. Well, there's a lot of similarities to to Rashawn Gary, and that's not to say that he will kind of be introduced to the league the same way that that Rashawn Gary did, but kind of coming into similar situations. You know, Rashawn Gary came into the league. When he was drafted by the Packers, Packers had just gotten Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. So, I mean, playing time is like, where's that going to come from? In his rookie year, he played in all 16 games. But uh, snap-wise, what, uh, 28% uh, percent, uh, of the snaps? Uh, yeah, tor- excuse me, 24% of the snaps he played on defense in his uh, first season. And, obviously, it, it increased more to where he became a starter uh, back in 2021. Uh, essentially a starter in 2021 because, you know, Zadarius Smith missed a lot of that season, too, with an injury. Uh, came in the last year uh, as a starter and then tore his ACL. His second year in the league, played 48% of the defensive uh, snaps over there, too. Started four games, played in 15 uh, total games. Um, I want to see the kid play. You know, I mean, I, I want to see the guy play. I think, especially with defense... This Packers defense really, really going to have to be stepping up to the plate this year if this team has aspirations, goals to to make in the playoffs. It's got to come. It's got to start by the defensive play. I want to see the kid play. If he's one of the top players on defense, get him out on the field. Let him make some plays. Put him into that rotation. Heck, come up. With ways like we saw with Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn Gary, for those three to be on the field at the same time, Zadarius was always the guy blitzing up the middle, right? Remember Zadarius, 55, lining up over the center, making plays that way? Come up with plays to get your best pass rushers on the field. And like, especially when it comes to obvious passing situations, third and 12 for crying out loud or something like that. Yeah, I know sometimes. Teams will might run a little bit of a draw play or something like that, or third and seven, whatever it may be. Get get I want to see the kid play. And if he's one of the best players, kind of taken away from the the Matt LaFleur offensive line philosophy, the five best will play, the five best offensive linemen will be out there. If Lucas Van Ness is one of your top three pass rushers, regardless if the guy is a rookie, if the man is a rookie, I want to see him a part of the rotation. I want to see him on that field. I want to see him making some plays. He's a first-round pick, for crying out loud. I want to see more of him than what we saw of Wyatt last year. 
You know, Devontae Wyatt, first round pick, back end of the first round. But still, I want to see him on the field more than what we saw. I want to see Van Ness on the field more than what we saw Wyatt last year. Find ways to get your guys, to get your best players on the field. And I know Joe Barry and the Packers, you know, they, they like to sub in and, and rotate their pass rushers quite a bit to keep guys healthy. And I'm all about that. I'm 100% all about that. I want depth in my front seven so you can do that. I want, that's where I feel like the best defenses across the league have that depth on the front seven, the, the defensive linemen, the edge rushers, those outside linebackers. One series you can sub in those guys, the other series you go back. I mean, you're keeping guys fresh out there. I'm all about that. But I also, you know, I want to see the kid play. I don't want him to kind of hold his hand and like work his way in there and just like get acclimated to, you know, the pro game and that sort of thing. Get him out there. If the guy is ready to go out there, get him out there. Let him make some plays, for crying out loud, okay? You know, just throwing in another, I guess, uh, comparison here. Clay Matthews, okay? Clay Matthews, kind of similar in Lucas Van Ness where, yeah, I know the the negative for some people for Lucas Van Ness. Well, he didn't start in college. Clay Matthews, kind of a similar one. Clay Matthews, uh, looking at, um, you know, some of his... Uh, his numbers from his rookie year in 2009. Remember, initially he didn't start the season. He wasn't initially a starter of the first couple games, but he ended up starting 13 games in his rookie year and ended up having 10 sacks. 10 sacks in his rookie year after not initially being a, quote, starter, right? And... Unfortunately, Pro Football Reference doesn't have the snap counts going back to 2009. It looks like they just started looking at them in 2012. But nonetheless, 10 sacks and started 13 of those games. I think what probably Clay's like one of his first big plays of his rookie year was probably stripping the ball out of Adrian Peterson's uh, hands when it was the first Favre versus Packers matchup. Remember that? Was that week four of the season or somewhere around there over there at the Metrodome? But obviously, Clay Matthews proved that he could play. Even though he wasn't a starter in college. And he made plays his rookie year. Made plays his rookie year. So if Lucas Van Ness has shown that he can make some plays early on, give him, first of all, give him an opportunity to showcase that he can make some plays. And if he is, put him out there. I don't care if he's a rookie. If he's one of your best players, especially on the defensive side, get him out there. If you want this team to go to the postseason, you got to make sure all your best players are out there and making plays. Eau Claire, Wisconsin is the Coob capital of North America, and we got the national championships coming up July 14th through the 16th, and it's also home world champion and national champion. Mr. Uh, Greg Jockamson, who is kind enough to join us here this morning as we are getting set uh, for the national championship coming up here in a couple weeks in Eau Claire. Greg, uh, good morning, and thanks for joining us this morning. Absolutely. Good morning, fellas. So first things first, Greg, uh, how did you get into to, to Coob, if you go back to, to your experience? What what kind of drew you to the sport? Uh, boy, it's, it, it goes back to time when I, we were playing some beer league softball and the guys were looking for something to do before and after games and we just kind of came across it in i think it was like volume one magazine had advertised a local a little local tournament so one of the guys on the team myself we 
we joined in that tournament and had not played really besides just kind of looking at the rules and uh, showed up at the tournament. There was a team that had won the national tournaments. We wound up playing them and, and beating them and just was kind of a funny joke from that point on and kind of kind of stuck with the game since. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. it sounds like, could you kind of teach yourself or you guys kind of teach yourself a little bit or from, from experience from playing tournaments and, and, and just kind of practicing on your own? Yep, I think that's how it started. We, you know, we just kind of figured out the rules on our own. Um, started playing with, like I said, our our softball team, and uh, just continued to to dig into it and become more competitive. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun time with hanging out with your friends for sure. So you know, going back to when you beat that that team, was that kind of the maybe your first glimpse of like, or your first thought, like, hey, maybe maybe there's we can do a little bit more here. Maybe we should get into these bigger tournaments, national tournaments and such. Was that kind of your first hint that maybe you got something here? Yeah, but I, I've been pretty involved in sports my whole life, so it was something like, yeah, I, I, like, I think I'm a pretty competitive person, so <laughs> it uh, kind of led to the next thing where, yeah, I, I've got, we've got some opportunities maybe to, to, to do better, and I think that was that next summer then we wound up joining nationals for the first time, and we actually made it to the final four. The, they call it the cage. So we made it to the cage that very first year that we we joined in. So that was pretty cool. So you have won multiple championships. I mean, it's got a. I mean, is there a little bit more pride to it knowing that it's in Eau Claire in in your home area too, winning these these national championships in in kind of your, your oh, hometown? Hundred percent. I'm sitting right now on the soccer field where the tournament's held. I'm going to throw a little round. I've got to take my daughter up to the cities today, but I'm just uh, at the field right now ready to throw, and it's yeah, it's right here in the backyard. <laughs> How really, is uh, some pride pride in the city for sure. Absolutely. How has this grown since when you first started playing maybe in the national tournament to, to where it is now? Just just how big has this gotten? Oh, it's, it's huge now. It, you, you're talking 128 teams that are playing. When I started, it was maybe half of that. Um, we've got one of my teammates this year I played in the world tournament with is from Germany and he's traveling over to play with me in nationals this year um, I, you'd have to talk to the tournament director in terms of numbers of states that are represented but I want to say there's probably all states if mm-hmm. someone come and play so it's uh, it's a big deal and it, it brings a lot of people to the city and um, I think people really enjoy this is you know the one tournament that uh, people really look forward to during the year you mentioned you know with with your softball playing days and you know i i did that too back in the day the, the beer league softball and, and all that and one thing yep. I, I miss from that is you know the camaraderie with other players and other teams in that and you just mentioned one of your teammates is you know germany in that is that kind of a, a similar thing where it's it's kind of almost like a club it's like a group where you guys know all each other and these these tournaments kind of like softball back in the day it's almost like get togethers and catching up with everybody that way Oh, for sure. And Eau Claire is such a strong presence in the, the Coupe world. Uh, we have a Sunday, just like softball, we have a Sunday league. Uh, we play in Halley, and uh, it's, there's a really a solid group of people that show up. It's, it's a lot of friendship, a lot of camaraderie. I mean, maybe one of the, the coolest thing about Coupe, you're, you're playing people, and you know, you're always trying to teach others, and you're always trying to do, um, you know, help other people out. So it's, it, there is a... Like you said, that camaraderie that goes with the sports, it's uh, that 
makes it very appealing. Mm-hmm. Greg Jacobson joining us here this morning. Coob National Championships coming back to Eau Claire here in a couple of weeks. Now, I want to talk about not only are you a multiple national champion, but uh, you're a world champion. Can you tell us about uh, your experience going over to Sweden, which from my research right before we, we started talking with you, it, it it originated in Sweden too, right? Coob did? That's, that's correct. Uh, the story is that maybe a couple of thousand years ago, Vikings, played this game there's this as a teacher i always try to scare my students and say that uh, <laughs> you know they they use the skulls of their vanquished as the coobs and the femur bones for the batons that you throw my students get a kick out of that but, <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah it goes back maybe two thousand years ago and uh, the tournament's actually held on an island in the baltic sea it's called goatland and what a, an amazing experience uh, to be able to do that my wife and i went over this past year and I've been asked by, uh, I played with three Germans and then uh, a guy from Sweden and my teammate from Des Moines, Iowa. And so it was just a really a fun group. The, the world tournament is six people on a team. The national tournament here in Eau Claire, the, the U.S. national tournament is three people on a team. So um, back to that idea of camaraderie, it's it's super fun to, to be on a, a, a group of the players in a 6v6 format. Um, getting to know the guys from Germany, that was really special. And um, my friend from Sweden, too, just all really good players. So it was a phenomenal experience. The trip was amazing. We spent a week in Stockholm with our Swedish partner, uh, flew back on the way back through Iceland. I mean, it was just a a phenomenal, phenomenal trip. And (laughs) it ended with uh, an individual world tournament championship for me, and then our team won as well. So it was um, something that hadn't been done before. Is that something that uh, you're going to do again or exploring, maybe going uh, across the pond and, and, and competing in, in world championships again? Oh, I would love to do it. It's it's just financially pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Coop is not a, a sport that you have sponsorships or people paying for your flights and things like that. And the, right. the logistics of... I, I was really fortunate that to have my Swedish partner. He pretty much had everything lined up. You have to get a place to stay on the island. Usually it's a cottage. Uh, you have to get a ferry. Uh, you take a ferry boat to get across uh, from Sweden to the, the island of Golan. Uh, just a lot of logistics that go into it. And I think that was one of the reasons that maybe I had success. I, I didn't have a lot of that to worry about. Mm-hmm. My, my Swedish partner, teammate, had so much lined up. It, um, but, but, yeah, it, it, it's such a such an amazing country and a, a place to play and. Uh, just that history and uh, the people there were phenomenal. So, uh, again, another thing about Kub, it's just uh, the friendships you make and uh, mm-hmm. the people that you meet. It's uh, it, it's incredible, for sure. Going back to when you guys, you know, in your softball days, trying this out, uh, flash forward to, to where you're at now, I mean, would you have ever imagined being in the position that you're in now, just kind of thinking back to those good old softball days and just picking up, you know, <laughs> Kub at the first, for your first time? I would say no. I never thought. I, again, it, it's my own fault. I, whenever I get involved with something, I, I want to do well and be competitive mm-hmm. and uh, put some effort into it. So um, we we had so much fun. Just like I said before, and after games, uh, just pick up games, playing. Um, I, it, it's a it's such a fun backyard game and and sport that way. Where yeah, I never thought that. I would be playing in the world tournament and winning it. And <laughs> so, 
And it sounds like it's, it's something that everybody can play, right? Would, would that be, you know, if you had to tell or give oh, sure. advice to anybody who hasn't tried it yet or is interested in trying it, what, what, what would you tell them? Well, it, it is, it, it's such a fun activity to do with family. You can play it anywhere. Uh, there are tournaments that are held on sand and on snow and ice, so clearly a, a beautiful day outside to get out and play. Um, there's a sort of national tournament on Friday. They actually have a kid cube tournament so you've got youngsters playing we've played against even in sweden there you know you have teams or you've got guys that are in their 80s playing so it's eight to 80 you know you can anyone can do it i um as i said i'm an educator and it's it's fun to be able to bring my students out and share with them my stories but also teach them the game and um once you play it i think people look at it and it's like this is kind of a weird confusing game i don't i don't get it but once you play it and there's just so many variables that make it entertaining and i think anyone should get out and try it and, and have some fun with it um I, i've played bags and bag tournaments and done that before to me that's kind of that same throw every single time but with coop every turn and every time you throw it's uh, there's there's a different challenge a different variable that's going on and there are different aspects of the game too so um, i think it's something when people play they they will really um, if they haven't tried it they, i think they will like it you mentioned you're at the, the soccer park getting ready right now so to kind of wrap things up how sure. how, how much <laughs> how much time do you do you dedicate to, to practicing you know obviously with school out maybe a little bit more uh time in the summer right now but how much how much work do you put in on, on the downtime before before tournaments and such well, I, you know, I, as I said, I'm pretty competitive, and I, uh, I've got a pretty big target on my back. My team usually does. Mm-hmm. I think of the Yankees or Red Sox in, in baseball. I think people, if, if they're playing me or my team, that's, it, all right, these are the guys we want to beat. Back to the first time I played and beat a national champion, I think that was on our mind. Hey, look at these guys. They, they were national champs, and we beat them. I think for some people it's their biggest biggest match that they play and they, they, they come to play. So um, I, I try to put some time in each day just because I know that uh, if I don't, you know, I, I can't just show up and, and be successful. I have to, I have to be in uh, you know, the right place. And so I, I've got a pretty good routine, though. I can probably get a good practice, practice run in with maybe 20 minutes, half hour every day. Mm-hmm. Um, something you can throw in your backyard too, but since uh, the, the pre-national term is this Saturday here at the soccer park, and then the nationals on the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, so I like to get to the turf. And again, I'm pretty lucky; it's not too far from my house where I can come and uh, and, and throw here. So it's you know maybe about twenty minutes a day. I just like to stay fresh. Absolutely. Do you think that with you being a teacher, that kind of helps with your you know? And you said being competitive, playing sports in all your life, but having that background helps you stay focused and and committed and that sort of thing. For sure, for sure. Yep. And um, it's always for me a great story just to tell my students. You know, where um, you can say if you put your mind and your efforts and you know, put some put some time into things, you can be successful at anything you want to do. I would have thought that here I am, you know, a man now where. Uh, I went over and won a, a world championship. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, you got to you got to be committed. You got to put some time in and, and and do your best with that. Well, Greg, we don't want to take up any more of your time with, from from your practice schedule, but we appreciate you uh, stopping by and, and hopping on. And, and best of luck here in a couple weeks. And then when you win it again, let's get you back on and, and talk about that. Okay, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Anytime you want to have me on, I'd be willing to talk coop with you. Awesome, Greg. Appreciate it. And uh, again, thanks and best of luck in a couple weeks here. 
Thanks. Appreciate your time. You got it. There you go. Greg Jacobson, world champion, national champion, coup player. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that just visit toys and ford today should the okay here i got another okay yeah bear with me now i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna steal something from the college ranks here a little bit okay because would college i'm glad like the big 10 you know they're getting rid of divisions and which is fine whatever yeah but you know they've got the axe games battle the axe they've got those other could the nfl incorporate that for like packers vikings packers bears have constant rivalry games. Yes. Certain rivalry games. Um, so if we get rid of divisions, but to add still a little bit more flair to it, do we incorporate like what some colleges do? I don't think that would work. But as a fa- I'm asking as a fan. As a fan? Okay. I think... Would you like something as a fan? If we got rid of divisions in the NFL or baseball or whatever, and, you know, you, you know, Cubs and Cardinals or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was something a little extra where it's like, okay, we can call it whatever, battle whatever, come up with a win. But you got that kind of like Gophers, Badgers, that sort of thing. Right. As a fan, would you like that? From an entertainment point of view, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I did, yeah, just strictly as a fan. Again, that's why we watch. We want to be entertained, and rivalries are entertaining. So in that regard, yes. Would players buy into it? I th- I think so. I mean, if you got what was that guy for the Bears? Yeah, Justin exactly. Johnson? Who? Yeah, right. Who? Right. Who? But I mean, he was kind of as as odd of a complaint as it was. Oh, you t- what was it like? Oh, you Packers go! <laughs> yeah, like he was complaining that uh, the Packers were cheering when they don't have the ball or something like that. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah. You know. But hey, that t- at least that's part of a rivalry. I'll mm-hmm. give him that. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd rather I'd way rather that than to be like, eh, no, it's just another team. We don't really care. Like, and if he actually meant that, I mean, I know a lot of players say that, but they're just saying it because they don't want to give fodder. Um. I do think there would be a lot of fans that would complain because there's there's some more of a schedule, like a game-by-game schedule focus among NFL fans. What if we did – okay, now bear with me because I'm really going down this hole. It's not – we don't – oh, then you get the hole away. But you did it in college. Packers-Vikings just one time a year. Then you get a more balanced NFL schedule. Um, I think we'd learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's, at, I mean, we do in college, right? Yeah. At first blush, you alternate it, it. right? At first blush, it sounds like, "What are you doing?" Um, that I think we could work with. Because the, the 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 problem with having if like, we got rid of divisions, but you keep the conferences, you're going to have to incorporate more conference teams. Then. Correct. Um, and you're not going to be playing the Lions twice a year. Um, Thank gosh, because they're already champions, apparently. So you know, you don't. Why are we playing them. the season? Honestly, <laughs> um, I. Uh, we kind of discussed, not we, but but sports media kind of discussed this when we went 17 games. And do you have, like, extra rivalry games? Um, but not every team has those. And so does that start to get unfair? Well, and we kind of had this with baseball, too. Like, 
certain when interleague was more specific about keeping certain rivalries going, like Brewers Twins, right? Mets Yankees, but mm-hmm. then because you had to even stuff out, then you end up with like Nationals Rockies, mm-hmm. and that was always your rivalry game. But it was not; it, it wasn't. You just had right. to play them. Um, so you'd probably get some complaining if you if you locked in certain rivalries. But like you said, if you went down to one a year, then I think the rest of the schedule can be mixed around enough that no team feels like they're getting jobbed. And I think maybe you could do a little bit of a nod to to your history where, you know, maybe initially you could still schedule, and I'm talking for the NFL here, hey, we're still going to schedule Packers-Bears, Packers-Vikings, Packers-Lions once a year. Mm -hmm. You know, your division teams, you're going to play them at least once a year. Yeah. And yes, you're going to rotate home versus away, but that's... Come on, we, we deal with it with college, right? right. And maybe it's st- and also maybe it starts that you're not way. losing a home game overall. You're right. just losing one of those. Well, home and games. it could be like what the Big Ten is doing, where they're they're doing this now. It's very possible, I think, in five to ten years that some of those, like the the non negotiables, as the as the guy from the Big Ten called it, become negotiables. Mm, like that's I a good like, quote. Yeah, like I I I don't think Badgers Gophers is ever going to go away. No. I Michigan, Ohio State's never going away. Never, yeah. ever, ever, ever. But like Iowa, Nebraska, I know that's a geographic thing, but that's... The battle really, of corn. <laughs> pretty much is. I don't know if that's going to be permanent. Now, I can't speak because I'm not an Iowa fan or a Nebraska fan, and maybe that's become much more of a thing and it's trending up. I'm not sure. Um, but that, at first blush, seems like the sort of one that could change. Maybe there is a USC or UCLA rivalry with a Big Ten team that becomes really spicy over time and suddenly like Penn State USC um becomes like the matchup and like oh so we better have these guys play each other every single year or of course if you really want to try to go like galaxy brain on this and the Big 10 blows up and Purdue and Indiana get shunted down to to group of five territory and it's just USC UCLA Michigan Ohio State and maybe Wisconsin and maybe Penn State well, who knows at that point? Are, are those like the protected rivalries then? But then everything else is fair game? Like, I don't know. I think this stuff can evolve. In the NFL, I think you could do it where, if let's say you blew all this up and had one game against a division opponent. Do that with all of them right now. So NFC East teams would all play the other NFC East teams once a year and then evaluate after five, six, seven, eight years. Maybe you go, well, you know, actually that... Texans Jaguars game, they don't need to play each other anymore, and it kind of falls by the wayside. Whereas other rivalries stay essentially permanent. Mm-hmm. Just kind of see how everything shakes out. Mm-hmm. My quick thoughts on it: I kind of like it now. I'm going to let it marinate a little bit in my mind here, but I kind of like the idea. Look, like, like football, for instance. Let's say Packers Vikings. Yeah, you you cut down on a rivalry game. A year you cut down on Packers Bears a year, but if there was a way to like develop, maybe a little bit more of that college feel where you got the axe or you got something, you know, it might be chintzy for for pro players, but it's mostly for for the fans and such. But I kind of like having a rivalry game just just one time, one time per year. And yes, you won't have the home and away sort of thing, and it takes away from a little bit of that. But I I'm kind of intrigued with it. I'm kind of intrigued with it. I need to let it marinate, though, just a little bit. So, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper, and until next time, I will see you and talk to you in the Man Cave. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.